Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Praise because we got a one o'clock gathering. But we can end that if we, you know, hallelujah. Anyway, hallelujah. Well, I'm so excited today um, because on our anniversary, we always get someone else to come in. And I felt led to bring in one of our sons from Brooklyn, New York, to come in and lead us today he and his wife his beautiful wife and their boys handsome young men brandon and jeremy Uh, we're so proud of epiphany brooklyn and all that the lord is up to there and how god is using them to reach um uh, a generation that people are seeing is lost Uh, there's nobody lost enough for the gospel not to go after it and get them amen and so the voice i want to bring up here i want to bring up here today Son of this ministry, pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship of Brooklyn, Pastor Brandon Watts. Give him a Epiphany Fellowship. Welcome. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Epiphany Fellowship Pentecostal Church. I, I literally didn't know whether to Millie Rock or actually hit the floor and dance. Man, it is, it is good to be here. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. What a delight and honor it is to be here, uh, gathered with God's people on this anniversary Sunday. And, and let, me, let me just put my cards on the table as a, as a pastor of a young church that is two and a half years old. Uh, thinking about God's faithfulness over this church for 12 years is a big deal. Will you help me celebrate Jesus Christ for building his church? Come on, that's cute, but really help me celebrate the things that God has done in this church over the last 12 years. What a great God we serve. There there literally is nowhere in the world I would rather be than right here. It is such a great honor to see what the Lord is doing in this church. Don't turn there, but there's a scripture in in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus says, I will build my church. And one of the things that happens in that passage is Jesus does not give us credit for building his church. He doesn't say, I'm building your church. And he doesn't even say that you're building his church. Jesus said, it's my church and I'm building it. And, And it's good to see what the Lord is doing in the house and I can't thank God for the church and not thank God for uh, the what we would say is the visionary the pastor that the Lord has led over this church can we thank God for Dr. Eric Mason if I was you I'd be standing on my feet I'm just, I'm just saying man Paul says in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, he says, let the ruling elder who rules well be counted worthy of double honor. And then he goes on to say, especially those that labor in preaching and in teaching. And we thank God for who we call uh, affectionately the bishop. We thank God for Dr. Eric Mason, his sacrifice, his 
service. We thank God for uh, the many nights that he stayed up praying for you and for your situations and pastoring you. We were grateful for him. And I, I can just tell you now as a pastor uh, up the street in Brooklyn, I am a better man because of this man. I really am. I'm a better father because of this man. And the Lord has used him uh, to really help me to try to be a better pastor because of this man. And so we honor him. And one of the things I've learned, and his wife, Yvette, let's thank God for Miss Yvette as well. Amen. We love her. One of the things I, I was taught uh, was preacher etiquette. Whenever you preach in someone else's pulpit for anniversary Sunday, you don't come empty-handed, but you come bearing gifts. And so I brought some gifts from Brooklyn, New York. Last week, the, the pastor came up to Brooklyn, and, uh, and he preached at a church in Brooklyn. And I took him, before he went there, I took him to a hat store, you know, to complete his swag. And when we got to the hat store, he was being really conservative and he didn't want to spend too much money. And so I went and uh, on behalf of Epiphany Brooklyn, we went and got you a little something, something. God. Bless God. Touch the anointing, man. And we can't get him something and not remember his wife. And so we took some time to make sure that she had a day that she can go to the spa. Man, so we'll give this to her. I need this back though, because I got one more service. Come on. Amen. We bless God for bless God for, for Pastor E and for Miss Yvette. And I also thank God for I, I would really be remiss if I didn't uh, publicly express my affections for the elders of this church. Pastor Kurt, Pastor Nyron, Pastor Larry, who was here. Thank God. Come on, you should thank God for good leadership good leadership. You know, good leadership should be a norm, but it's, it, it's not. And so when you get good leadership, you celebrate good leadership. So we thank God for them. Let's, uh, let's get into the Word of God. If you can grab your Bibles and meet me in the book of Judges. I'm excited to preach here. Judges 16 is where we're going to be. As you turn there, let me give you a quick, quick, quick update on your daughter church in Brooklyn. Uh, the Lord has been really gracious to us. We're in a really, really good season. Uh, we actually just added a third service to accommodate the overwhelm, overflow of people. Amen. But more importantly than that, one of the things we, we were praying about when we moved to three services, number one, are people going to come to three services? The last two Sundays, we've had to put down chairs for an overflow in the first two services. Uh, and the third service, one of the things our leaders prayed about all summer long in preparation for going to three services, we were praying that the Lord would fill up that third service with non-believers and skeptics. People who did not know Jesus, and there are a ton of them, 2.6 million people live in Brooklyn, 9 million people all together in all five boroughs, and we were praying that the Lord would send people to our church and that we would engage people in the coffee shops and uh, the places we dwell and share the gospel with them, and they would get saved and join into the body. Uh, and the Lord has been answering that last week when we were in our third service. The gospel was being proclaimed. Three people profess faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. He's a God that saves, and I'm grateful for that. So if you guys could keep praying for us as we continue to pursue the work of Jesus Christ. All right, grab your Bibles. Meet me in Judges 16. 
verse 15. This is going to almost feel anticlimactic to anniversary, but we'll explain why. Verse 15. I know it's your custom to read. I'll take the load off you today and I'll read and, and uh, you can just follow along. How can you say I love you? She, talking about Delilah, told him, talking about Samson, when your heart is not with me, this is the third time that you have mocked me and not told me where your strength is so great. Because she nagged him day after day and pleaded with him until she wore him out, he told her the whole truth and said to her, my hair has never been cut because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. If I am shaved, my strength will leave me and I will become weak like other men. When Delilah realized that he had told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistine leaders. Come one more time, for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and brought the silver with them. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap and called the man to shave off the seven braids of his head. Y'all know Delilah is trifling for that. In this way, she made him helpless and his strength left him. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said to her, watch his denial here. I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shekels and forced him to grind grain in prison. But the hair on his head began to grow back after it had been shaved. I want to preach this morning from the topic entitled Overcoming Your Weakness. I think it's important, it's important that I, I put a little disclaimer here that all week I've been wrestling with whether I wanted to preach something more celebratory and the Lord kept driving me back to Judges chapter 16 because really what we need is if we have a church that is 12 years, if we want to go another 12 years, we need healthy people because healthy people make up healthy churches. Let us pray before we dive in. Father, one thing that we all in this room have in common is that we all have a weakness in our life. And if we're honest, Lord, some of us, even as I announce the topic, some of us are well aware of what that weakness is. Some of us are naive to what our struggles are. And then there's a third category in here. Some of us know what the weakness is, but we're foolish when dealing with the overcoming of this weakness. And Father, would you get at us through your word today, expose our deep need for Christ this morning. Might we be doers of the word, not hearers only, lest we deceive ourselves. It is in Christ's name we give all glory and honor. Let everybody say amen. amen. Overcoming your weakness. I was privileged all four years of high school to play football. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life to be able to built some camaraderie with a bunch of guys playing football. And my sophomore year in the off season or the preseason, uh, I was preparing for the regular season with a group of guys. And so we said, you know what? Outside of the intentional aspects of practicing, let's throw in some extra practices so that we're ready for the season. So I ran down to, uh, down to Foot Locker and bought me some Nike cleats. I'm woke, I'm just saying. Bought me some Nike cleats. I was woke back then. Bought me some Nike cleats and, and the cleats were so new and so fresh that when I got on the football field and I began to run, they had really good traction. They would stick into the ground when I was running. Well, 
needless to say, it, it also was a double-edged sword because it worked against me as well because one specific play, I planted my feet into the ground and my foot dug into the ground so much that when I went to turn my body and did a 180, my foot stayed in the ground and my body turned. Needless to say, I had a severe sprain in my ankle. They actually call it a grade three sprain. And because of that, I had to wear a cast for two weeks, a hard cast, and then after that, they put a soft cast on me for another several weeks. And when it was time for me to take off the cast, I go to the doctor who was also the therapist, and she pulls off the cast, and I put my ankles, and some of you will know what I'm talking about, I put my legs and my ankles next to each other, and I immediately noticed that one ankle was extremely, abnormally skinny. It was a lot skinnier than my other ankle to the point where I said, Doc, Is this ever going to get back in order? She assured me that with therapy and with focusing on that ankle and putting weight on the ankle, the muscles and the tendons will start to grow back and it would regain its strength. And she said something profound to me while I was sitting in her doctor's office. She said, we have to get this ankle back in order because no matter how strong your other ankle is, you will always be limited by your weakness. Now, just in case you think I'm still talking about my ankle, I'm now talking about your life. Because the truth of the matter is, some of us think that because we're so strong in other areas, I got a good prayer life, I, I, I know the scriptures, I memorize the scriptures, I, I'm in DNA, I'm in small group, I know how to parse Greek and I know Hebrew, and you think because of all of that, you can overlook that weakness. But one of the things I learned about weaknesses is weaknesses have a way of overshadowing your strength. Because weaknesses has taken down many strong men. Weaknesses have taken down many strong women. Weaknesses have taken down politicians and weaknesses have taken down pastors and celebrities and weaknesses have taken down professional athletes. But one of the things I found out about your weakness is your weakness has the ability to take you out. Do not come in here on this anniversary Sunday and dance around and think you can walk out and live any old way that you want to live. We have to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so in the text, we are introduced indirectly to a few characters. Can we talk about those characters? One of those characters, and if you grew up with any church background, you might know who I'm talking about, is a guy by the name of Samson. Samson was from the tribe of Dan. Samson's father was named Manoah. He, Samson's mother is unknown to us in the scriptures by name, but we only know her physical condition. The Bible tells us that she is barren. And because she is barren, she is not able to have kids. But like most barren women in the scriptures, she gets an angelic visitation. And when the angel comes to her, he does not just come with a comforting word, but he comes to her with a prophecy. He tells her, you will have a son. Not only will you have a son, you're going to have a Nazarite. Somebody say Nazarite. When the angel came to her, he came to her with a set of restrictions. This is what you can eat. And this is what you can't drink, eat. This, this is what you can drink. This is what you can't drink. And the reason for those restrictions is because of her being, her son being a Nazarite. Now, if you want to know more about what a Nazarite is and what a Nazarite is not, read Numbers chapter six in your devotional time. Because in Numbers chapter six, one of the things you'll find out is that every Nazarite had three major restrictions. 
The first restriction, if you're taking notes, write these three restrictions down. The first restriction for every Nazarite is a Nazarite could not touch a dead body. Because if you touch the dead body, it would defile you and you would become unclean. The second restriction for every Nazarite was a Nazarite had to abstain from any alcoholic beverage. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you are disqualified from being a Nazarite. <laughs> oh, y'all acting deep on anniversary. Like y'all wasn't sipping on coconut Ciroc. We got you this morning. I'm just saying. A Nazarite could not drink any type of strong drink. The third restriction the third restriction for every Nazarite was a Nazarite could not cut their hair. And the reason for empowering Samson with being a Nazarite and giving him such great strength was because God wanted Samson to lead Israel in their war against the Philistines. Let me tell you something about Samson. Nobody could beat Samson. Samson was a strong dude. Samson, well, well, if you read Judges chapter 14, two chapters prior, you'll see Samson literally rip a lion apart with his bare hands. But even with all of this great strength, our boy Samson is limited by a real weakness. The weakness of Samson is not men. He overpowers every man he's ever encountered. His weakness, stay with me, is women. And the weakness that he has is further exposed in our passage when a woman named Delilah puts it on him. Now, now Delilah is Delilah is one of those. It's one of those biblical names that if you're expecting a child, you don't name your daughter Delilah. You don't just don't do it. Like, I don't care how cute and sassy she is. If she's across the way and you say Delilah, we side eye in you. You don't name your daughter Delilah. You do not name your daughter Jezebel. Don't do it. Don't name your son Judas. Off limits. Pick something else. Pick Ephraim and Elijah. Pick Nehemiah. Strong names. Do not pick the person by the name of Jezebel. Uh, don't pick Judas and do not pick Delilah. Now, Delilah in the text, well, one of the things you'll see about our text is that the Philistines are tired of Samson always winning. He's winning every battle. And so because they're tired, they go to Delilah and they say, look, D, we know you're in a relationship with him. So this is what we want you to do. We'll give you 11,000 pieces, 1,100 pieces of silver if you can find out where his strength lies. Because we want him to be weak so that we can overpower him. And what does Delilah do? She goes on a journey to find where his strength lies. First time she comes to him, just in the text, the first time she comes to him, she says, baby, tell me where your strength lies. And he says to her, well, if you tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings, I will become weak. He falls asleep. She ties him up with seven fresh bowstrings. The room fills with Philistines. But because he lied to her, he overpowers the Philistines. She comes back to him and says, baby, why'd you do me like that? You made a fool of me. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You made a fool of Bishop does it all the time. I'm just saying. <laughs> you you, you got to tell me where this great strength of yours lies. He says, okay, I know I lied to you about the seven fresh bowstrings, but this is what you do. If you tie me up with new rope, then I will become like other men. He goes to sleep. She ties him up with new rope and the room fills up with Philistines. But because he lied to her, he breaks free and defeats the Philistines. Watch this persistency. Our girl Delilah comes to him a third time. Yeah. 
And when she comes to him a third time, she says, why do you keep lying to me? You know, I really want to know where your strength lies. You're making a fool out of me. He says, okay, baby, if you braid my hair and he falls asleep and he wakes up with fresh cornrows and a do-rag on. <laughs> not, not the do-rag that dangles, that's ghetto, the one you roll up and tuck in. He wakes up with fresh cornrows and the room fills up with Philistines once again. But because he lied to her, he wakes up and defeats all of the Philistines. She comes to him a fourth time. Are you, are you picking up the persistency here? And you know, one of the things you have to be careful of, identifying your weakness is not enough. You gotta identify your weakness and you gotta look for what's persistently after that weakness. Don't get it twisted, something's after to bring you down. And look at that area that is persistently always after you. She comes to him a fourth time. And the fourth time she comes to him, they say three times is a charm, not for Delilah. Four times is a charm for Delilah because when she comes to him the fourth time, she does something different than she did the other three times. Won't you pick me back up in verse 15 so we can see how she comes to him the fourth time. She says in verse 15, look at the first seven words. How can you say I love you? She pulls on his emotions. And when she pulls on his emotions after the fourth time, he crumbles. And he gives in and he tells her where this great strength lies. Brothers, if a woman ever says to you, if you love me, dot, 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 you about to give up something. You losing that battle. And so she comes to him and she tells him, listen, I thought you loved me. And what she does is, she, she plays into his emotions and he stops ignoring the fact and starts leaning on his feelings. Okay, okay, don't miss this. Underneath the text, what you see happening here is Samson knows Delilah is trifling. Can, can I prove it to you? If he didn't think that, that Delilah was no good, he would have never lied to her three times. But he lied to her three times because he knows she's not good. But when she pulls on his emotions, as we say in Brooklyn, our boy Samson got in his feelings. He stopped ignoring the fact of what, and, and that's consistent with your life too. There are some of you in relationships and you're ignoring the dysfunction. You're ignoring the unhealthiness. You're ignoring the sin in the relationship. And I'm talking boyfriend and girlfriend, not husband and wife. You're ignoring all of the signs. What you're in is your feelings. You are ignoring the facts that you, like, you know. Bishop, there, there's a verse tucked away in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 6. And Jesus says, this is red, the word's in red, so if you don't like it, rip it out. But it's in another Bible, so it don't matter anyway. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, he says, don't give what's holy to dogs. And then he goes on to say, do not cast your pearls before swine. Now, one of the things I notice about casting your pearls before swine I've pastored long enough that I realize that the people I sit across from are able to identify swine. They know he's no good. They know she's no good. The problem is we're not good at identifying what's a pearl. You don't look at what's valuable in you and you're giving out everything. Stuck in your feelings. And this is also, this is also why we do not date in isolation. Because dating in isolation means you trust you too much. You trust your own feelings too much. And so you need what you need, brothers, listen to me, trust me. You need some sisters to eyeball her, not in judgment, 
But you need them to say, let me take you out to get our nails done. And while we're getting our nails done, what's your intentions with my brother? Do, do you love Jesus? Do you know the gospel? Share, me, share with me the gospel. And sisters, trust me, you need some brothers to check him out. Because we're able to identify if he's feeling you the way you feel in him. What we have is an isolation where we're stuck in our feelings. And let me tell you something about your feelings. Your feelings can't be trusted. You got family members that you still don't know if you feel it. You got friends that you don't change your feelings about two or three times. Okay, Proverbs will say it this way. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Paraphrase, don't trust you. Trust God. But our problem is when we're stuck in our feelings like Samson was, we ignore the facts and the dysfunction and we start to lean on our own feelings. And whenever you lean on your own feelings, that is the moment where your weakness is exposed. Samson is brought down because of his weakness. And what we do in relationships, and I, I don't know why I'm staying here, I'm gonna move on. What we do in relationships is we say, I don't want nobody in my business. But my question is, what business do you have that we can't all know about? We say things like, I, you know, he loves me and he buys me flowers and he treats me nice. And because of those reasons, we ignore the dysfunction stuck in our feelings. Now, now, let's get back in the text here, because even though Samson is in his feelings and he's not focusing on the fact that he knows Delilah is no good, even though that's taking place in this text, we haven't seen how trifling Delilah is yet. Watch what Delilah does. Look, pick me up back in verse 17. It says here in verse 17, it says, he told her the whole truth. This is after the fourth time. He told her the whole truth. My hair has been cut because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. I am shaved. If I am shaved, my strength will leave me and I will become weak like other men. When Delilah realized that he had told her the whole truth, she sent message to the Philistine leaders, come one more time, for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and brought the silver, the 1,100 pieces of silver. They brought it with them. Verse 19, this is comical. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap and called the man to shave in the seven braids on his head. She literally puts him to sleep. I don't know what she did to put him to sleep. But whatever it was, it was so good that Samson slept through a haircut. And then sleeping through a haircut, I'm trying to be nice here. And, and sleeping through a haircut, she then calls another man into the room to shave his head. Now, which is crazy because if you look at the other three times, I encourage you to do that. Look at the other three times she came to him. She tied him up with the bowstrings. She's the one that tied him up with the new rope. She's the one that put the cornrows and the do-rag on. But when he, she found out the truth, you see she calls another man in the room and he begins to shave his head. Now, Samson don't think this is a big deal. We're just working through the text. Samson don't care nothing about this. He's like, you know what? I'm going to wake up and do what I always do. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 is a scary verse. It says this, then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and I'll shake myself free. Look at this. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. It is a scary thing to be operating and thinking you're doing something in the name of the Lord and the Lord not be in it. 
It is a sin. See, this verse lets me know the possibility of you living life under religiosity and think you're under the covering of God and you're not. This verse exposes that. And so what we do is we come to church week in and, we, and week out and we mask our weakness under religiosity. But the reality is the Bible says that Samson had no longer had the Lord with him. Now, this verse could cause doctrinal issues for us if we're not careful. Because the way this verse reads, it literally says he did not know that the Lord had left him. And people can argue that verse 20 means you can lose your salvation. But how many know the scriptures are replete with evidence that if God saved you, he's able to keep you saved? Let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. I got to put some Bible here so that you know I'm not making this up. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says it this way. And I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me keep going. Romans chapter 11 verse 29. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. John chapter 10, verse 28, last one. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If you're able to lose your salvation, it's not eternal life, it's temporary life. But God doesn't, see the greatest, one of the greatest miracles, see salvation really has two miracles. The first miracle is that he saved our dysfunctional butts. The second miracle is that you're still saved. Because if you could have lost it, you would have lost it already. But thanks be unto God who is able to keep us. Thanks be unto God. The Bible says that God is able to keep you and to present you blameless before the presence of his great glory with great joy. God keeps us. The reason this church made 12 years is because God has kept every one of us. I ain't got nobody talking to this morning. So verse number 20 tells us, that Samson, really what it's saying is Samson didn't realize that he broke covenant with his God. Samson didn't realize that his hair had been cut off. Now, now there's something else underneath the text that we got to deal with. The reason, if you want to identify your weakness, identify it through the life of Samson. Because Samson's devotion to Delilah is greater than his devotion to God. Don't miss this. One of the things I found out when I read all 21 chapters of Judges was that we never see Samson worshiping. You never see Samson praying. Besides, when he gets between the columns and says, Lord, let me complete my assignment. Other than that, you do not see him consistently with a prayer life. You do not see Samson thank God for the many victories that God had gave him. What you see Samson doing is acting like he's in relationship with the Lord when he really wants Delilah. And this is consistent. Like, could this be you? Could, could your devotion, see, the reason it's hard for us to overcome those weak areas, the reason it's hard is because our devotion for it is greater than our devotion for the Lord. But one of the things I found out about Jesus is that if you see the fullness of Jesus Christ, you will begin to see the emptiness of everything else. The God we serve is full. He completes my joy. So Samson here wants Delilah. He doesn't want God. And my hope and my prayer all week has been that you would want God. Now, one of the things I found out about this text, many people say here in verse number 20, 
that he lost his salvation. But let me prove something to you. In verse 22, see, whenever we preach about Samson and Delilah, we preach that his hair got cut off and that he lost his strength. But nobody preaches, verse 22, his hair grows back and he kills twice as many Philistines. And some of you, this is a real word for you, because some of you came in this morning and you know that you've been falling to your weakness. All week long, you've been falling prey to that one area that you can't seem to overcome. But one of the things I love about verse 22, let's read it. Verse 22 says, but his hair began to grow after it had been shaved. This is grace. Because if it wasn't grace, his hair would have never grew back and he would never would have gained his strength. But God is able in the midst of that thing that you are struggling with, and you know what I'm talking about. In the midst of that struggle, listen to me. God loves you so much that he built a mechanism called grace that he don't cut you off when you fall. And because of this grace, your hair can grow back. Some of you in this room are still in verse 20. You walked in in verse 20, hair shaved, strength's gone. Your, your, your relationship with the Lord is broken. But one of the things I found out is we got to get to verse 22. We got to let our hair grow back. Somebody in this room, real talk, when I was talking about your weakness, you're able to identify it. And some of you, I'm telling you, I prayed about this all week. Some of you, it's such a secret weakness that you ain't told nobody else about it. You ain't tell your friends. You ain't tell your siblings. You ain't tell your DNA partner. You ain't confessed it to nobody. Husbands, you ain't tell your wife. Wife, you ain't tell your husband. And we, you're really Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Because when you come here, we get the well-packaged you. But Monday through Saturday, everybody else gets the weakness of you. And my hope and prayer is that we would over the way you overcome your weakness is not trying to control it, but it is falling more in love with Jesus Christ. If Samson's relationship with God was intact, he would have never fell for Delilah's tricks. But he falls for it because his relationship with the Lord is not up to par. And that's some of us in this room. Some of you in this room haven't been, you got us all fooled, congratulations. But some of us in this room, you know I'm talking to you. I know it's anniversary, you're like, Pastor, you, you should have got somebody else that's going to preach something happy. You, you got him up here preaching about my weakness. You know I'm trying to hide it, and you telling, you know, you got him telling. Listen, your weakness, you may, you may not have consequences to the weakness now, but one of the things I found out about sin, sin always catches up with us. And thanks be unto God that he doesn't let you stay in your sin. But this is a God that's going to bring conviction. And I'm tired of millennials coming to church and having this well-packaged religiosity without actually having a relationship. And some of you in this room, that's you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus goes to a cross proving how far he'll go to meet you in that weakness. Because on the cross, Jesus says, I know that one day you're going to fall to something. And my grace is so sufficient that I'm able not to, just, not to just save you, but break the power of sin over you. Some of you in here that have been wilding in that sin, and you've been secretive in that sin, and you know I'm talking about you. You need to trust Jesus today. You need to submit that thing to Jesus. A healthy church will only be healthy when the members stop playing religiosity and actually get in devotion with the Lord. Is your desire for Delilah stronger than your devotion for the Lord? 
your desire. And, you know, Delilah, ladies, hear me. You could read this text and easily say, you know what? That's a man's weakness. And, and Delilah's a woman, so I'm good. But one of the things I found out about Delilah is Delilah's not specifically a gender more than it's a spirit. There's a lot of male Delilahs out here. And some of you are in relationship with them now. I want to pray for somebody, and I don't have a lot of time. Like, don't think long about this. I want to pray for somebody that knows that you've secretly been struggling with sin. You, you know it. As I'm preaching, you're going, Dad, how does he know? That's the Lord talking to you. And I just simply, nothing spooky, nothing deep. I want to pray with you. If you know that that area of your life has gone unnoticed, run down to this altar. I just want to pray with you. Come, don't, don't think long. I see you coming, brother. Come on down. Y'all in the balcony, come on down. I see you coming. If you know that you are weak and at any given moment the covers are able to be pulled, I need you to come to this altar. Come on and spread across. Y'all come on in. We family. I see you coming. Brother, I see you coming. Listen, there's nothing more, nothing more masculine than submitting it to the Lord. Lady, there's nothing more feminine than submitting that struggle to the Lord. I see you coming. Come on down. Come on down. There's more of you. Come on, y'all. I don't care if you're serving. We need a healthy church. Come on down. Father, I want to pray for every single person. Thank you for coming. I still see you coming. I want to thank you for every single person that's on this altar. Every person on this altar represents a young man or a young woman that you love. Like, you're, Father, help us to realize you're not angry with us. You just want to see us walk in freedom. You want to see us walk in liberty. And the way we're able to walk in liberty is by submitting this thing to you. Everybody on this altar, raise your hands. We are raising our hands in a sign of surrendering. We are surrendering this weakness to you. This area that nobody knows about, we are surrendering it to you. The next generation is depending on us to really focus on this area. So Father, help us. We need your strength. You said in your word that if we're able to confess our sins, that you are, you are able and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all right, unrighteousness. Lord, help us to walk in holiness, not in legalism. We're not earning your salvation. We do it out of the fact that you already love us. Father, I pray for the one that's in their seat that didn't come. And that one that didn't come really does have us all fooled. But Father, they don't have you fooled. So would you get at them today? Help us to be serious. Maybe we walk back to our seats two ways. Number one, transformed. But maybe we also be walking back, thinking about that one area and looking in our life to see who we can confess it to so that they can hold us accountable. Because Father, we need accountability. We need somebody after us. We need somebody to offend us and they not care because they want us to look more like Jesus. Pray for every single person. Would you use them for your glory? May this become a testimony. And may they help others with this same weakness. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you. And it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.